Hello, listeners. On this show, I talk with everyday African Americans who were able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. This episode of the Black Gold Podcast is brought to you in part by the Black Gold Podcast store, where you can get exclusive Black Gold Podcast merchandise. Here you can purchase the new My Story Matters design on a comfortable t-shirt or in a snug and warm hoodie. Also, you can purchase my new ebook on podcasting called The Podcast Jumpstart Guide to help you get from zero to your first episode teaching you the tools and resources that I've used to build a quality podcast on a low budget. To get your hands on this awesome merch at a discount, go to www.blackgoldpod.com and go to the menu and click on the Black Gold Podcast Store discount button to save 10% off your next order. In this episode, I interview Chancellor Jackson. He is an author of a book series about his experiences in a Chinese jail called 14 Days in Beijing. In our conversation, Chancellor and I discuss how he ended up in Beijing, the differences between his experiences and what he wrote in his series, and how adversity can be one's greatest teacher in learning life lessons. Welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. Today with me, I have Chancellor Jackson, the author of 14 Days in Beijing. Five short stories about an experience within the Chinese prison while he was visiting Beijing. In 2019, is that correct? We, I was out there from 2018 to 2019. So six months total, but it just took place from the transition 2018 to 2019. Okay. So first of all, how did you find yourself in Beijing at that time? Yeah. So I landed my first job at that graduate from college. I graduated from Stetson University down in Florida and America. And I graduated a bachelor's degree in communication and media studies and <laughs> led my first job teaching English to children on the other side of the world. I was teaching kids when I was three years old all the way up to 14. So that's how I ended up in Beijing, <laughs> for sure. And so was it planned or was it somewhere that you, you were sent to? World. Definitely was not planned. <laughs> not even, you know what I'm saying? Definitely not planned. It's just something that, it, it, it was written, I feel like, especially as time has, has progressed up until this point and looking back on it now, it was definitely written. I was, I've, I played football all throughout college and 
once my career came to the end in November 2017, I immediately started applying for jobs. And I was mainly applying for uh, American companies in the corporate world, marketing, sales, management, that whole nine. And I was landing interviews, getting flown out, doing interviews for seven months straight and wasn't landing anything. And I'm back, I graduated, I'm back home in Georgia and I'm still continuing my, my, you know, my garage, trying to find something. And that's when I came across the opportunity to teach the broad in China. And I'm like, this thing, like a great experience, like cool experience. And the requirements were minimal. You know what I'm saying? It's only three of them, very, very brief, clean background, a bachelor's degree, only matter what your degree is in, and native, native English speaker. I'm like, oh, that was, okay, it's me all day. <laughs> But ended up getting the job. So it's just like, it's just, you know what I'm saying? Just like after so much time, just, you know what I'm saying, trial and error, I finally was able to cross the victory lap. Somebody finally told me yes, and it just happened to be on the other side of the world. And China still wasn't even nothing that, like, was, wasn't of interest growing up. You know what I mean? An introduction of my book. I flash, I flash back to a table conversation I'm having with my mom and my brother one early Saturday morning at breakfast. And my mom asked my brother and I, she said, what's three places place in the world y'all want to go? And I make sure that we go. First country in my mom's China. She looked at me like, like just surprised. I was so ready. You know what I mean? I was so certain about my answer. Like, why China? Like, that's where everything is made. And that's the only reason I had. Just because you, as a, as a kid, man, you look at the back of any product, what did it say? Made in China. Made in China. Made in China. Made in China. I'm like, damn. Everything is made in China. Like, why? Yeah, why is it that every product that we have here in the middle is made from one place? Like, what, 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 what China got going on that we don't got going on? I always was just interested in China. You know what I'm from a young age, just because of that aspect. So 14, 15 years later, <laughs> it actually manifested and it's just like, oh yeah, man, it's real. Let's do it. <laughs> so in going to China, did you prepare by learning any Chinese before you went? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, cause I got hired in July, but I ain't get to China to actually, to uh, October. So it was a three month process, just me getting my visa. <laughs> you know so. I took advantage to learn some of the um, Mandarin. I was learning through apps on my phone and stuff. It wasn't like I was taking classes and nothing like that. But I was able to, like, form just basic, 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 basic dialogue. <laughs> basic, basic dialogue. Just enough to move and groove and work my one while I was out there. And that pretty much, and that's really all I needed, for real, for real. You know what I'm saying? Majority of the time I was around English out there, so I didn't really have to use Mandarin unless I'm in the field. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't even understand. That's the only time I really needed. And then, even then, I didn't need to know much just to. I mean, just a little bit. So, you got a job, you said, abroad as a teacher, English teacher at this. It was a, it was a school. It's a school company. So, pretty much the Chinese, Chinese say, or just coming and specializes in teaching English. In countries where English isn't prominent, you know what I mean? But the kids learn it in school as a foreign language, just like we learn Spanish and French here in America. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. So that's what it was, essentially. Okay. 
And so what was the thing that got you, that put you into, into prison in China? Yeah, so I was, right before 2019, I was arrested for marijuana and detained for 14 days in a Chinese penitentiary. Now, during my detainment, I didn't receive any information about how the process would work, how long I would be there, nothing. And nobody knew I was there. I'm just here to tell y'all I did 14 days. As you read the book, you have no clue what, what is going on because I had no clue of it. Just sit up. And we, well, yeah, that's what I was arrested. And so they held you for 14 days. What yeah. was the the state of the the cell you were in, your experience there? Well, yeah, I was um, locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 15 people to one cell, nine wooden beds. All I have for those 14 days straight was barely a plastic bowl and a plastic spoon to eat out of. That was all. When I was anything take care of my hygiene, I well, yeah, yeah, man. Out, like I would say, it was definitely like a big room, or it's from the floor to the ceiling. The ceiling is high; you can't even even standing on the bunks. You still not gonna be able to touch the ceiling. You probably if you jump, you still you know what I'm saying the ceiling's high. So it's big as far as you know what I'm saying length, um, or height. As far as just length and width. It's like a big rectangle, just enough to house 15 people. That's really pretty much it. It ain't like we have ample space in this cell to move. No, no, it ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. Just enough space for us to, if it ain't too many people, really, if it ain't like two or three people walking around, then it's enough space. Really, so I'm not, we had to sit out. Oh, we could, we could sit out or stand up during the day. We can only lay down when it's time to go to sleep. And there's a, a part in the book that we talk about. It's one of the cellmates is teaching you, like, this is what, this is what you do here. And this is the, the food that like, gives a point where the person who's giving you the food is like, yes, I'm like, what is this stuff? And he's like, just vegetables. And what kind of vegetables? Yeah. You know, it's like this kind of, yeah. And so, uh, was the food... Was it good in terms of, would you say, of whatever, I don't know, like nutritionally, even like the taste of it? Would you say, oh, yeah, I know that was delicious or was the, would you say it was just there for, you know, daily nutritional requirement? I say it was nutritional. Every meal we had was some form of soup, some variation of it. And vast majority was vegetables. So definitely very... I say nutritional, you know what I'm saying? Just because it is, it's mainly vegan dishes that we're eating. And all. But far as taste, sometimes it was, okay, this, 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 it's all right. It's all right. You know what I mean? And sometimes like, boy, this ain't nothing but a bowl of hot water with vegetables in it. Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? It was one day where we had a different dish in comparison to the rest of the meals we have within the time you read. Um, within 14 days and it's on a Tuesday and I don't mention it until like, probably like midway through the book and we have rice and meat. And I, at that time I did, I was eating meat in China just cause I'm like, I just ain't trust the meat. So I, I chose the vegetarian route while I was out there. 
So even though we had rice and meatballs, it was just definitely lit to have some rice. I was good on the meatballs, but I took some of the gravy that the meatballs is in and put on the rice. And man, that was probably the most flavorful meal we had <laughs> throughout my whole time there that I did not re-rock myself. Like we had some soup that really wasn't tasting like anything. Then I'll take uh, the seasoned packets from noodles and I mix packet with them. You know what I'm saying? Hook it up like that right there. You feel me? And that'll definitely bring the dish to life a lot more than how it was prior. Well, aside from that, the rice and meatballs, that's the best meal we had while I was there. So what made you want to write this book or write this, this series of books that you have about your experience uh, staying for 14 days in a Chinese prison? I knew I wanted to do something with the story. I'm like, in the very beginning, when I'm handcuffed sitting in the back of the van, and I'm just like, no, I'm handcuffed in the in the pr- first precinct. I'm just like, man, this is going to be a great story to tell. Also, I'm out of this predicament. So take note of every minor detail. I knew that that I was going to do something with this experience. What? Had no clue. Well, I had no clue. I just knew I wanted to do something with it. It was like months had passed. And here it is, like July. I've, I've been back in America since, since April, so it is July. I'm just powwow with one of my tribal members. And he was a published author before we graduated high school in 2014. He was the one that was like, hey, bro, you should write a book about it. That's idea. I'm like, boy, that's a good idea. Boy, you, I could. I could write a book about it. How? Where do I start? I don't know. But that's definitely something that I can do to share the story and this experience. So he threw me another alley-oop and gave me like a little outline to follow. It was five layers, very brief. And I just started filling it in. Yeah, on my phone, he put it in notes on my phone. So I just started filling it in on my notes. And then once I realized, like, it was getting kind of lengthy, I'm like, okay, let me move this from the phone to a Google Doc. And now I'm right, writing it on the computer. And I wrote the whole thing about four months. And then from that point, it was just editing formatting and fine-tuning, coming up to cover and all of that. And that was another six months. So 10 months total just to get the project finished, four months just to write it. And I was arrested on April 4th, 2019, and I dropped part one of the series on April 4th, 2020. It was ranked number one. So really brought it, really, really brought it full circle, honestly. So in the book, what I, what I what I like about it is that whenever you are writing, it's from your perspective, and it stays in the present tense. And so every time you read it, it feels as if you are immersed in the story right there, and you can experience what you're going through. Was that intentional, or was that is that just your personal writing style? Initially, I wrote it in past six just to get it on paper. Now, once I went back and started editing, fine-tuning it, when the editor's like, man, I feel like it would hit a lot more if you wrote it. Whoops, editors, the person that told me, they gave me the idea to write the book, same one of the editors. Well, I think it hit a lot harder if like, you wrote it in first person. Because throughout the story, I, like sometimes when you first, like in present tense, other times in past tense, he's like, so you need to choose one. But I feel like the present tense would hit a whole lot harder. I'm like, yeah. 
it's like, I had no clue what was going on. I'm just, oh, so I know I'm going to see as I learn, as I, as time progresses. So it's like, I will try to feel exactly what I went through. So you can, you know what I'm saying? Just like, you truly, truly experience what this was like for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Really paint the picture for you. You know what I mean? Because I knew it's like, man, this is crazy. I mean, <laughs> this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? People not going to believe this. So it's like, I definitely got to tell it the way that I want people to receive it. Yeah. And also some point in the story where you say to yourself that you don't feel as if you're comfortable yet sharing your experiences with the people because you don't want to either put them off or make them think that this thing that happened to you then is something that is who you are rather than the experience that you had as a component of your identity. Have you found that in sharing it more that you have either overcome the experience or have you found that it also is becoming more of your identity of who you are as a person? I feel both, bro. Like at first I ain't shared it. I ain't shared this. I ain't shared it with nobody. I ain't shared it with nobody. I said, I only just like select few people knew like, Cause it, a lot of people knew, some people knew I was in China. Some people had no clue I was out there. And when I came back, time is such an illusion. People had thought it'd been a whole year since I'd been gone. I'm like, bro, it's no, it's six months. They're like, damn, for real, bro? It would feel like a whole year he was gone. So, but it's just like, it just still wasn't exactly. It felt like a whole year you was gone because you said you was going to be gone for a year. Me, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm going to see it through. So when I didn't, accomplished my full year based on the circumstance. Of course, I was ashamed of it, but also, you know what I'm saying, accountability, I ain't got nobody to blame but myself. So was, I guess I, I I was embarrassed about it a little bit, especially when it first popped off in the book, like you was describing, like, bro, I don't need, when I can't even see it and verbally explain it to y'all, yet alone, bro, I'm not, I'm still dealing with, coming to terms with it myself and holding myself accountable. So it's like, yeah, I ain't even there yet to be shared it with people just yet. You know what I'm saying? Because I ain't the type of person to just be with my business all out in the street anyway. You know what I mean? So when I got back, it was still hard for me to share until I started writing a book. And it wasn't until me writing the book, it was, you know what I'm saying? Just rewriting the story, that's when I started to let go of the experience. Truth, you just let go of it. You know what I mean? All the trauma and all of that, all of that just started to let go and writing became therapeutic. And once I fully released, released it as far as like, just get it on paper. Oh yeah. I can't wait to share it. My whole mindset just changed. Cause like, I wasn't just holding on to it no more. I'm like, yeah, bro, I can't wait to share this. With you. I can't wait to share this with people. I know it's a lot of people can take away from, it, you know what I mean? Cause I took away a lot from it. And it's like, man, I can't wait to play this with the world. And before I played football, vast majority of my life, I was a student athlete, embodied it to the fullest. You know what I'm saying? There's me chance to football player. When that came to the end, that's who are you? What do you, what do you want out of life? What do you want? The questions I can't answer. There's a reality check. And so from that point, moving forward, it's like, damn, I've got to refine myself all over. 
and it's everything that took place for me to be here where I am now and can talk about myself all day, month, all day, every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Elaboratively on top of that. So, yeah, I'll say it was both, man. It was both for sure, for sure. Everything we go through is everything that we are in preparation and in preparation for what's in store. What company did you go to teach English to? To the uh, in China? Uh, well, I, it's like the big, big company is called Education First, but that sector of it is called English First. So, it's pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty popular overseas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Here in America, not so much. But yeah, it's, it's a big company, though. It's, it's global for sure. So the the company that you were it's was it like assigned to to teach the people you were assigned to teach did they have any idea of where you were or what happened before you spent fourteen days was there a point in time where someone was notified that you were you were in jail and they came to get see I have no clue I have no clue once out once they when some cuffs slept on me. And then was taken away. Man, any form of communication was gone. Because <laughs> I had no clue what was going on in the outside world. But I did know. I'm like, me being locked up here, it is nothing but a matter of time before I come up missing. And that's going, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's, that's just what's going to happen first. People got to realize I'm missing. And then when I was missing, the search for me will begin there. And then once the search begins, I'm pretty sure somebody will figure out that I'm locked up here. And with that being said, that's going to be a great step and closer to me getting the hell up out of here. Because right now, nobody knows I'm here, and these folks ain't told me nothing. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't know what's going on the outside, but I'm like, first day first. So I'm like, yeah, folks got to realize I'm this. For sure, for sure. And that's something that only won't happen. And still, you know what I'm saying, Saturday when I don't show up to my 8 o'clock class. Hey, so they're going to be panicking because they got to find somebody to cover my class last minute. And I miss, like, where is he? You know what I'm saying? Calling me, you can't answer. Like, something's wrong. So I was like, it, it was definitely just a waiting game. You know what I'm saying? I just had to stay down. I can't for real, for real. It's the process. And so... Have you been back to China uh, after that experience, or you're just like not at all? So it was, once I was um, released, they took me straight to my apartment to pack up the rest of my stuff. Took me straight to the airport where I was deported from the country, all within probably like six hours after being released. So, and in addition to me being deported from the country, I was also banned five years. Well, I can't go back to China if I wanted to. Since but I got the full experience of China. Good, bad, ugly. <laughs> I've seen it all. Oh, man, it's hot. China was lit. Oh, China was lit. Before closing, man, China was lit. Man. Previous, man, lit. Best experience I've ever experienced in my life. So I got the highs and I got the ups, the lows. The show for show, all in, man, short amount of time. <laughs> so it's like, I got a full experience of China. It's like it's too much more to see. Have you been anywhere else since that experience? Well, since that experience, no, nah, because once I came back the next year, COVID popped off big and that's just, 
it, yeah, it's dead after that. So now nah, I ain't been out the country since, and I've been itching to go, boy. But prior to that, I've been to London twice and Bahamas three times. And those are just like family trips kind of things, or is it from yeah. school? No, it's trips, family trips. So it's only for Bahamas, of course, like three days. So we take cruises, London, like two weeks. You know what I mean? Never, nothing definitely like packing all your stuff and moving to the other side of to the you sent to a different country. No, nah, nothing remotely close to that. It's a whole, whole different <laughs> vibe right there. But it's a hell of an experience. Hell of an experience. I encourage everybody to travel, especially internationally. But if you can live abroad, somewhere, look at it. I highly recommend it. It's enlightening. Is this something you'd say that you've learned from your experience, not just being in jail in China, but just from that experience about how people live differently, different cultural traditions that you can then, whenever you come back here, you can see the polarity between the two. Has it been like an experience that you've had uh, that journey that? Just being American. And most Americans being from here, because we you know saying we Americans, so we from America. A lot of us don't see outside of America, but we coerce with a bunch of people from other places. But we're so we're in our land and we have our own culture, you know, saying established. So everything else, we just ignorant or closed minded about by how close these cultures are. You know what I'm saying? And really just depend on you as an individual, to be honest. But vast majority of us Americans are very ignorant. When it comes to other people of culture and vice versa, anywhere else you, you know what I'm saying? So it's definitely like, obviously traveling is so important because you learn that it's different everywhere you go. What's tapped over here may be normal someplace else. So it's no really right or wrong way in saying how to live life. With that being said, you know what I mean? It's all just based on just where you group your demographics and the matrix uh, within <laughs> that segment of the world you live in is set up to be, you know what I'm saying? So that's what it's just exposure, exposure, understanding, broadening, and all in all, just enlightenment, man. For sure, for sure. So. And so what you, you went through, do you think that someone who reads this book, uh, but yeah, let me read it this way. Uh, do you think that this book would be a, like an educational kind of a book that someone can learn from in terms of what they should do if this situation would were to ever happen to them? Yeah, I feel like I feel like this book is so 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 diverse. It can fit into so many different elements. That's why I went number one in multiple different genres, just because you can't just box this story into just one thing. Nah, like, you can do a lot of shit, this story, you know what I mean? And I partner with a nonprofit organization called the UMA Foundation. And where I come in specifically is the life skills segment. We work with at-risk at risk team in our area. You know what I'm saying? Run, early run-ins with law enforcement, they suffer from drug addiction or problems, stuff like that. And we use my book as a part of the lessons. The gain just enlightenment and understanding. You know what I'm saying? It's like, here I am. I'm probably, man, not even 10 years older than y'all. I don't went through, essentially what y'all going through, but in a completely different region of the world and a whole different serious <laughs> circumstance. 
But look what I was able to do with it. Look how my mindset was as I was going through it. I'm saying, now let's quick now, now let's compare and contrast that to your experience. What was your mindset like? What was you able to take away from that situation? How can you better yourself from the situation? What can you do to, you know what I'm saying, bring this experience, turn this experience into a positive? It's negative into a positive. So it's just like this enlightening spiritually, mentally, emotionally, culturally, logically. Again, it's something like there's so many different facets that you say you can, you can be just enlightened just from reading this story in some form or fashion. Especially with it being in China. How many of us live in China? <laughs> You're going to learn a lot just because it's based in a, a region of the world that you have no idea about unless you didn't did your own research. And I highly doubt you did that unless you're truly an enthusiast about it. So, I mean, and even if you have, you still going to learn more. You still going to learn a lot <laughs> just because you do like, I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. So for sure, it's my takeaway. Even from like the true, true academic standpoint, like this was in an English or literature class. Way that I wrote the book, just the way that I wrote the book. You know what I'm saying? You could definitely use it as part as a curriculum. You know what I'm saying? You can use that curriculum for sure, for sure. So it's like it's a very, very diverse book. Very, very diverse. Yeah. One also like about it is that it seems as if in different portions of the book you approach it more as an experience to experience rather than this is something that's you know negative and i'm i'm in jail for this period of time and it's like it's like like oh like that machine does i didn't know that that's interesting kind of kind of like those that kind of thing that you would and it's not the like you know i'm this i'm this victim i got arrested for this I mean, there are some portions in it where you like reflect about your situation, but for the most part, it's like you are there and you're like, you're learning for a bit. You're going somewhere to learn, to learn how that works. Yeah. Definitely. It's when you felt like, cause I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to learn as I go. <laughs> and I was like, I always, and it was crazy when I was in training for the job, when we like, we first got there. They talked about just like the whole aspect of getting arrested out there. And like when it came up in the, in the presentation, I was just stumped back. I'm like, man, that sounds like a crazy experience. I had to get locked in there. I'm like, sounds like a crazy, amazing story. I'm sitting there thinking it to myself, like, well, that sounds like crazy, amazing. But then, you know what I'm saying? Like, thoughts, they come, they go. There's oh, anything much about it afterwards until, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anything popped out, I was like, and I say I am handcuffed. Like, all right, take note of every minor detail. <laughs> it's gonna be a crazy story to tell once you're out of this predicament. And I knew I was gonna I knew I was gonna be good. I'm like, it's gonna be a great story to tell. But I don't know what's gonna happen, but anything can happen, but it's gonna be crazy to tell once it's all said and done. Did the organization that sent you, did they touch back with you after your experience to this one. <laughs> I ain't nuts. None. I'm still tapped in like with the uh my coworkers and stuff like that. But as far as like the company on I ain't I ain't bother to hit them up or vice versa. Yeah. So what are your next steps with this with this series of books that you want to do? So I put all 
I put the short story series together and made a one solid novel, which is available on Amazon as well. It's a different cover. It's black and blue and it's still a picture of me, but I'm holding a sign versus, you know what I'm saying, having my hands to my head like this here. So I have, it's available as a whole story and I have another book coming very, very soon that pre-events off of this, but it's and but you know what I'm saying they both tie with one another, and it's a, a romance novel. I'm excited to drop that. Yeah, I'm excited to drop that. I know streets gonna eat it up for sure, for sure. <laughs> and I know the streets gonna eat it up for sure, for sure. This does, man. Romance is such a, a, a more relatable genre. You know what I mean? Just, uh, just any, anything romantic. You know what I'm saying? People can relate to some form of fashion. So. I'm excited for it. Is it a fictional story, completely fictional, or what is it based off right of true events? Just one question, based off a of true story, just names and has been changed to protect the, you know what I'm saying? I didn't, the actual character. Yeah, it's still based on a true story, though. Show for show. <laughs> so it's, it's a great story. Life is interesting. That's really nice. <laughs> so in doing the, that, that post, I can see it's up on your, on your wall over there. In doing that poster, was there anything that you remembered when you were taking that picture in terms of your experience that isn't inside of the book? Nah. Hell yeah, just a jacket. I this is a jacket I had on. Well, at least I, yep, so I got on early picture. I still got it. That's a replica of the actual uniform jacket that I had to wear in Beijing Gym Six. So I, I can know I, could, I knew what I, go, I wasn't gonna be able to find it out here. So I'm, I'm definitely gonna have to recreate it. So just be collabing with an uh, a designer to recreate the jacket, and then actually seeing the jacket physically once it was made, it's just like man. Hey, it's crazy. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? People only really knew, like, what this jacket really symbolizes. You know what I mean? And it's how pivotal it was, just in that experience was in my life. And for me to write this story, it's like, man, it was, it, it was, it just brought everything cool. <laughs> now, if it, you know what I'm saying? I could wear that jacket with pride versus, you know what I'm saying? Before, when it was just like, this is what I got on. <laughs> you feel me? Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It really means nothing now. It's very. Did you have to to pay for any of your healthcare? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they took me to the hospitals because I needed X-rays, and they made me pay for the X-ray myself. <laughs> he asked me if I had money. I said, "Yeah." He said, "Okay, you're gonna pay for the X-ray." I'm just like, all right, for sure. I'm just following orders. I'm just trying to be compliant at this point. Last thing I need to be doing is, you know what I'm saying, just acting a fool because that ain't going to make my situation any better. So I was like, for sure. And it was good. Shit wasn't even number like $15. X-ray. That's cheap X-ray I'm ever going to buy. <laughs> for real, for real. Boy, boy. Yeah. Wow. So it's, say it's a penny. So recently, 
I had the pleasure to, to spend the time. It was with a uh, with a Chinese couple, and they dated about China. Was that they are a communist country, but the healthcare isn't free, and that everything you have to pay for healthcare. Almost in a similar way as if you have to do it in America. But it's the idea of, of linking, it's usually people link communism with free healthcare, like free education kind of thing. But in China, no, you gotta, you gotta pay your prisoner in China and you have to pay for your own x-ray. And, it's, and the doctors out there in China don't even wear gloves. So I, that's just some place, that's just a hospital you don't want to go to. They'll draw your blood. They will talk. You ain't me watch their hand. That was that that was only in the prison or was that outside of the prison? Did you have an experience with medical person? I know. The entire their kind of country. No gloves. They don't wash their hands. Hospital, they just don't wash their hands at all. So did you have the experience of seeing anyone that was that was masked? But this was in 2000, early 2019. So, yeah, did you see anyone mass, like, either, like, on the subway or? I never left the house. I never stepped foot outdoors with a mask on. Just because air pollution is real in China. That's why they wear masks. Yeah. Some, a lot of them, they from there, so they so immune to the air, they don't even need it. But if you got you might want to throw that mask on, play it for real, for real. So, that was, that, that was another, it was just crazy. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Here I am in China. Saying wearing the mask on my regular, just like every day, like I'm leaving the house, phone, wallet, keys, mask. Mask is a part of the list, is what you know what I'm saying? Make sure I got everything before I leave the house. So, so fast forward the full year, now here, the, everywhere else in the world, mask is like mandatory. And I was like, damn, bro, this is, this is my, it's my, it was mind blowing. It's like, damn, bro. How everybody wear a mask, like, even. With me, I did fourth in Beijing, Beijing. You catch cover, what you gotta do? Like, court take how long? I was just like, man, it was just so, it was just, everything just came full circle, everything. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. And also, yeah, even to, to imagine the people that currently, if they do have COVID in Beijing or in anywhere else in China, if that, if you experience in that jail, what is that if that is the standard I and mean, even like with the height thing if you couldn't successfully quarantine someone if they had a COVID and so that's that's a whole nother issue right there that's not like enough that's not like an even better story <laughs> to be honest be like the during COVID oh man that sounds like an even crazy story no cap I would want to experience it but <laughs> it's not like <laughs> Crazy story though. So I know that would be crazy. Did you make any friends in, while you were there? They've kept... Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. were in China or locked up. In in China, both, 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 both. Well, yeah, yeah. I definitely made a lot of lifelong friends while I was just out experiencing China, without a doubt. Um, still in contact with most of them today, and. While I was locked up, and yeah, I, I made some some solid solid partners. Our English speakers that are featured later, like midway through the book, 
you know what I'm saying? It's just because circumstances change within, you know what I'm saying, my cells and they move me and all this, that, and the other. So that's why I'm introduced to those new characters. I can finally communicate to somebody. So, okay, man, we best friends. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we best friends, boy, for real, for real. We in this together. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely made solid, solid relationships. Well, I was both in free world and incarcerated in China. So you're currently in Atlanta. And so how has it concerning COVID, how has it been being back in the States and after your experience coming back? And now, as you said before, the masks is, is the masks are the, the new black and you have to take it with you wherever you go and how has that experience been from china you're there for a while mask this thing is new like oh you put it on and then you you know do your daily thing go to go to school come back take it off compared to it being like a 24 7 kind of ordeal people have to that's being discussed like even in the media what are your thoughts about about that the whole mask versus no mask and yeah. Kind of I mean, arguments. I mean, like I was wearing it just to prevent air pollution in China. So and it was crazy before coat popped off here in America. I was like, damn, boy, I don't know if I, cause I still have my mask. I'm like, damn, I don't know if I should. That's the one to rock it just cause, you know what I'm saying? Just cause I'm like, nah, folks will be looking at me crazy. This shit, gonna get weird, all that shit. Then what's it? <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I can put it in the road now with no problem. You know what I'm saying? It was just like. I already want to rock it in anyway, just just because from an aesthetic and an accessory standpoint. So once it came full circle, it just was it was nothing that I wasn't unfamiliar with. So it was like shit. But I would say wearing a mask here is a little bit more like what the like you know what I'm saying? Why am I doing this versus when I was over here? Like, well, let me not even play no games over here. But you know what I'm saying? But Atlanta's been very, very lax with COVID, you ain't been like you 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 would know it's going on just because what you hear in the news but as far as what you physically see oh no we still we've been in clubs we still been in restaurants ain't nothing been slowed down and shut down for us <laughs> at all so it's just like in comparison to everywhere else we use like man now strict strict rules for you know what i'm saying months so months so months so weeks so weeks it's like that's why everybody was traveling to Atlanta. Because <laughs> we were so lax, we were so, we were so lax. Literally, we were still in the clubs. Still go to the club. What has yeah, been dude. the, do you know the number of cases that you've seen so far in Atlanta? How are they all staying the same? I, I, I guess it, it was, they, what they blast in the media is high, but it's not like I'm paying, I'm really learning and analyzing it to see what's going on. It's just what I hear from other people talking. I really don't give a damn about what they talking about in the news because I studied this in college, so I know what the news is for what it is. So I don't even pay, I don't even pay that stuff. No mind. It's neither here nor there for me. What do I physically see based on what I, what they telling me in the news? Well, what I physically see is nothing what they talking about in the news. So who, somebody lying. <laughs> That's I'm looking at somebody lying. Y'all tell me what they what I'm seeing physically in my everyday to day life. I'm, well, and I even caught COVID, and that was nothing like they said it. What you saying? I'm sorry, man. So like, I don't know, bro. Somebody lied. I don't know. 
to to each his own. But yeah, I ain't really paid that much, bro. That that was that was not here no there for me, bro. It was not there. No. So in coming back and you know COVID being a thing, was there? Did you do any research on the best mask to wear? No, I just, I'm like, I had a mask before. Yeah, yeah and I was in, nobody masked such a mind. I know my heart from a, like, aesthetic standpoint and my heart. So I was, I was great. I look like, uh, what's that boy name? Alpha. I uh, can't even think of him. Can't even think of him. You like, like, I can't even think of it. I can't even think of it. We can move on. <laughs> I can't even think of the characters. Well, the vision is in my head, but I don't know the show or Motor Combat. That's what it is. Motor Combat. The oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I look like here. Yeah. I'm back. Get over here. What's his name on here? Yeah, I can't think of his name. This dude, that kid. Yeah, I don't see the scorpion. I look like, man, what? Mine was too hard, but mine was too hard. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I wanted to rock it before COVID popped out. I'm like, my folks look, think I'm weird when it is. Hey, I have a mask too. It's over there on my, on top of the okay. thing. I mean, that's the black one. And it's that, I, I get that same. Yeah. Yeah, I look like a Stub Zero. That's what they say. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty nice. You had the experience of wearing masks, like before COVID. So then now it's just like an accessory. Yeah, kind of. And that's crazy. So that was crazy, but it like came full circle. Even like QR codes. QR codes was it, it was everything in China when I was there. So now come back here and that QR codes is everything here. Like QR codes is so expanded in China. Homeless people have QR codes. You got no physical cash. You can scan their QR code and give them bread. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> like these folks on a whole new level. Out here, they on a different level out here, boy. Oh my goodness. I ain't seen nothing like well, I... <laughs> From what you saw, did you see uh, a huge homeless population in China? Or not that much. Or at least in, in uh, Beijing. Well, it's illegal to be homeless in Beijing. So you'll see a sprinkle of homeless people, but it'll probably be like during the day or just like you'll see them walking, moving. Like you ain't just go, you know what I'm saying? It's rare to see like just somebody laying on the side of the street like you would any place else. It's illegal out there. So I don't know where they be. <laughs> I'm like, they live somewhere because you know what I'm saying? I know it. I know it's the homeless people out here. I know it is, but where where do they house themselves? I have no clue. So is it illegal? Is is that like if you have a family member, you must stay with them, or is it that you just cannot be on the street? You can't be on the street. Like, can't be homeless. It's somebody you can turn to. You know what I'm saying? If it ain't, then we'll lock you up. How about that? Find somebody we like. This is yours. When you find you you find a place where you say you figure it out, you know what I'm saying? We can handle it for you. What you want to do. Yeah. But it has been incredible to see, at least on the news, the how China is handling COVID. 
pretty well. So they have just completely like shut down all incoming travel. At least that they may have like a few like safe places that people can come in from. But the U.S. is completely cut off as far as going to China to visit for any kind of anything. I believe. Yeah. 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 For the most part, one of the, one of the uh, dudes I was locked up with, the foreigners that spoke English, he still travels back and forth from China, but it's Hong Kong. That's the only part of China he can he that he has access. So he he been, he been back and forth, he's been back and forth from China. I want to say a couple times since we've been arrested, at least been since we've been out. But yeah, that's just about it. I, mean, I, I just hear more and more, like you said, just how they cracking down on <laughs> traveling and, and folks in. So yeah, I just trying to, it's different. So very, very strict plan. Very, very strict. Yeah. And Hong Kong, I believe it isn't that like a British territory or something that it's not exactly it's, China. It's a part of it's part of just like the, the land of China, but it's like it's slick its own little you know what I'm saying type of thing. It, it's it's interesting. <laughs> for sure. But it seems like a dope place to visit though, for sure. Yeah. Oh it says that it was they were a dependent territory of the British Empire and from 1841 till 1997. Okay. Or well, from a brief period of Japanese occupation in World War II, 41 to 45. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting as well, too, in terms of people who go to Hong Kong and then if they're able to, you know, skirt their way inside of the mainland, if, like, Transmission is higher in that area or around those areas localized to it, maybe. But yeah, that's wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's different out there, man. China don't play. So, and there's no why in China. There's no, you don't get no reason why. Just is the way it is. And either you're down or you lay out. It's only good experience. Yeah. Well, Chance, this has been a wonderful conversation. Where do people go to learn more about 14 Days in Beijing? I got a website, ChancellorKJackson.com. Um, you can also just, really just Google me, ChancellorKJackson. Everything will pop up as far as links to the book, links to my social media platforms, and other interviews that I've done as well. Those pop up so y'all can just learn more. If you hear what I'm saying about the story and what 14 days in Beijing is all about. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Just Google me. <laughs> 14 days in Beijing. What chance to pay Jackson is? That's it. I'll pop sure. Well, Chancellor, I have one more question for you. And that is, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? Everybody, whatever you choose to do, just know you're going to face adversity. Adversity introduces a man to himself or introduces a woman to herself. What's the mistake without the lesson? See, 
They say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. And none of us know who we are until we fail. So it's like, who would you want to define you? Someone else or yourself? Whatever you do, man, your heart to it. Stay strong. And you said, just keep running your marathon. Why would that be your message? Yeah, that's truly everything that I embodied and that I did. So it's like, I could let that situation define. Most people would have went through that and it probably would traumatize them horrendously. Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, they would not have been the same person. What all they did was just make me better. And just look like I'm doing with it. And how I inspire others. I've been able to find not only a new identity, but a purpose. You know what I mean? So it's like whatever you glimpse at you do, know you're gonna wait to show adversity fall in your face. But never like no hard time from take what you take from the situation. So but like I said, everything we go through is everything that we are and it's preparation for what's in store. I mean, <laughs> it's just like, and you just keep going, bro. That's it. Just, you know, I'm an encourager. I'm a motivator. So I know somebody up there facing a hardship right now. And it feels like the world is over every day. Everybody against you, but it's like, it's, man. Smash. Take a deep breath. Move yourself. Move your emotions. You know what I'm saying? Think with experience. If you can't make no real decision based on your action. I stay strong. If you want me, you can accomplish. I'd have manifested everything in my life for the most part. <laughs> so, like, man, it's real power. Well, Chancellor, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you for having me. So, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at the Black Gold Pod in order to be updated about new episodes each week. In order to listen to incredible and inspiring stories, please go to the Black Gold Podcast website and make a donation so the stories of these incredible and amazing people We'll be waiting for you each and every week so that you may be inspired and become an inspiration to someone else. If you want to stay updated on the podcast or be in the know with the various things that I'm up to, you can sign up for the MTY Midweek Newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get access to a weekly email every Wednesday with behind the scenes of the podcast and other projects that I am currently up to. So make sure to visit blackgoldpod.com and sign up for 
the MTY Midweek Wednesday newsletter below.